At the heart of the pandemic, a medic uh, said this, staying under the wave, trying not to drown until one day we will come up again for air is a daily reality. And whilst we may or may not have experienced that kind of brutality, for sure we have been under a bit of a tidal wave. And we as church over the next three weeks want to look at how do we emerge from that? How does our faith stand through it? Maybe you feel your faith hasn't stood through it. Many people have come to faith in the pandemic, but others have lost faith. And this is a psalm about emerging, and it's a psalm about finding and losing God, which may be a bit of all of our experience in the last year in some ways. And over these weeks, we're going to look at what does it mean to emerge? What does it mean to breathe a bit like that tidal wave? And what does it mean to reclaim our lives again? And maybe prayerfully as church, what are we gonna look like as we emerge from this distancing? And this is a psalm of lament. The book of Psalms in the Old Testament is full of emotion. It's full of angst, it's full of questioning, it's full of sadness, but it's also full of faith. And uh, we're gonna look really briefly at the three phases of this psalm, looking at where he's longing, looking at where he's questioning, and looking at where he's remembering, and again, praising God. So firstly, the very first verse, maybe one of the most well-known verses of the psalm says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs after you. Now a deer, I'm told, is instinctive about water. If there is water to be found, a deer will find it. They will run to it. So when a deer is dehydrated, it can't stand up. If it hasn't got water, it can't stand up. And also, apparently, it becomes totally disorientated. So what the psalmist, in a way, is saying, he's saying, I can't even stand up and I feel disembodied. I feel disorientated. And he says he's longing not only for God, but he's longing for church. He's longing to be in the room with people. There's a longing in him that he just can't quench, if you like. He feels far from water. He doesn't say the water's gone. He just says, I, I feel far from it. I can't find it and he can't stand. And we know as humans that we can only last three days without water and the same for the deer. And that's how he feels. And this guy writing the psalm, it's not David, I'm reliably informed. This is a guy who was a bit of a big noise in the worship team, all right? <laughs> not like me. So he was, he was the guy at the front who led the throng. He loved it and he found joy from it. And there'll be people here who've not led worship and are missing that. There'll be people here who've not been able to serve in the ways that you long to serve. And there's a joy in that. And there's been a longing in that because you've missed it. We've missed church, haven't we? Well, I hope we have, I certainly have. And we've missed one another, but we've somehow missed God in one another. And he's saying, I miss it and I don't know how to get back. And I think if we're honest, there's a bit of that in all of us. 
This has not been a time necessarily for all of us where faith has flown and rised. It has been a challenge for our faith, as is expressed here. In the New York Times, uh, a guy writes, a guy called Adam Grant, an organisational psychologist, wrote this. He said, this pandemic has dragged on and the acute state of anguish has given way to a chronic condition called languish. He says that we are now languishing. So after our anguish, we've come to languish. And he's languishing is the neglected middle child of mental health. It's the void between depression and flourishing. It's the absence of well-being. Now, we don't have a symptom of mental illness, he says, but there is not the picture of mental health either. And I don't know about you, but I think that a lot of people I've spoken to over the last few weeks have said, I don't know why, I just feel weary. I just feel a bit blur. I just feel a bit nothing. And we can't quite get our vitality back. And it's almost like we feel we should be happier than we are. We know we can meet friends. We know that this should be the big euphoria, okay, with, uh, with limitations. And yet, I, I remember the first time we were allowed out to meet people, I felt really nervous, <laughs> you know, and I felt quite introverted almost. And I thought, well, how's it going to be? And I thought, Judy, you, do you love going out and meeting people. What's wrong with you? But I identify with that sense of, of languish a little bit. And he's probably examining, well, did I used to lead because I liked leading and I liked the singing? Or did I lead because I, I actually genuinely believed in God and I loved him? Because what I like about lament is it's not complaint for the sake of it. It's faithful complaint. It's complaint that says, I'm not going to lose you, God, but I am going to tell you what I'm thinking. <laughs> have you ever felt like that and stood on a beach and thrown rocks into the sea? I certainly have. And actually what he comes on to do is actually ask questions of God. And we're free to do that. If you're new to faith or you're examining faith, God is big enough to take our questions. Um, over lockdown, I've been uh, doing some writing on what it's like when we lose our song and how do we find our song again. And uh, it was really interesting that a nature researcher uh, commented on the honeybird in Australia. There are only 300 of these birds left. Now, those of you who know me, I'm not a big fan of birds, but I am interested in this. There's only 300 of these guys left. And what has happened is they're so alienated from each other that they've lost their song. And when they try and sing, it sounds weird. So it doesn't sound like the original Honeybird song. It sounds off. And the reason is they need each other's song to sing. They need to hear your song to sing their song. Does that make sense? And though I'm not a, an obsessive bird watcher by any stretch of the imagination, that does resonate with me because we need each other's song. And maybe we feel like we've forgotten our song a little bit because your song will help my song. And so the, the psalmist is saying, I need the community. I miss community. I miss the life group that we've celebrated brilliantly here this morning, or I miss that coming together. C.S. Lewis had two really close friends. I'm sure he had more than that, but he definitely had two. I'd like to have been his friend, wouldn't you? I mean, he's just the wisest man. And he had two really close friends. Their name were Ronald and Charles. And he loved hanging out with them, loved having a drink with them, loved having a chat about things with them. And sadly, one day, Charles died. And he'd only got his mate Ronald left. He'd lost Charles. And he asked this question, which I think is really interesting. He said, in losing my mate Charles, 
I don't have suddenly more of Ronald, who's still alive. I actually have less of him. And what he meant by that is he said, I do not have the person that only Charles brought out of him. And I really like that because I know with the, I'm very blessed with my friends in my life. I am absolutely rich and I know that. But what I love about my friends and some of them are here in this room is that they bring out different parts of me and I bring out different colours and different things in them. And that's why we need the body. That's why we need each other, not only for life, but for faith. Because there are things that you will challenge me on that I can encourage you on and so on. And so we can bring out that song in each other, as C.S. Lewis said. We need the unique person that you are. So as he brings his question, his faithful question to God... He says, my tears have been my food day and night. He's not sleeping well. He's not eating well. We all know what that can do. It can make us angry and hangry and irritable. And he says, and, and the worst part of it is, people are saying to me all around me, where is your God? Where is your God? And at the start of this pandemic, I think there was a feeling in most of us, this could go either way. People could just completely leave church in their droves and say, well, if God's allowed that, I'm out. Or actually, there could be a longing like never before. Because we'd been reminded, hadn't we, how fragile life is? How much we need to know, is this it? Or is there something more? And actually, what's happened, I just read a friend's newsletter today to say they've got 50 people just waiting for baptism, waiting for the warmer weather in Turkey, so they could baptise them. And all of them had come in through online services. And certainly our experience here is that many have come and joined us, and we're thrilled about that, and we, we long for many more. But where is your God? And what I love with lament is it hangs on in there. Uh, in the death of George Floyd, uh, the family, Terence Floyd, his brother, was interviewed just this week, a man of faith, and George Floyd was a man of faith as well. And I love the kind of guts of this. He says, my family is a family who will not back down from faith and prayer. Isn't that amazing when they've been through what they've been through? He says, we have got on our knees and some of us have stood and we asked the questions of the right one. So not we asked the right questions, but we asked the questions of the right one, of God. And, and I think as we all have questions, every single one of us, we need to be reminded that faith isn't pretty. It isn't shiny. It's gritty. It's not backing down. It's refusing to give up. And it's being on our knees like the deer when we can't stand. When my dad caught COVID uh, on January, uh, well, very early January this year, he was just a week off getting his vaccine. And um, that was frustrating, to say the least, and made me quite angry. Um, it didn't make him angry. I think perhaps he, he knew his time was coming. But I remember telling one of my friends, who's my most passionate atheist friend, I've probably talked about her before, an old school friend, and she said, I am so angry about your dad. She said, you never guess what I'm doing. And I thought, oh no, what have I driven her to? And she said, no, I'm praying, Jude. I'm praying for the first time in my life because I am so angry, I don't know who to talk to about it. So I'm trying prayer. And that honestly blew me away because I would have thought the where is your God thing would have come straight in there, wouldn't you? But instead, she's like, I'm so angry, I don't know where to take this thing. So I'm trying God. And, and I found that fascinating and I found that I didn't have to have the answer for her because I didn't have it 
and, and my dad sadly did die and he died alone. And for many of us, hasn't that been so tough uh, to, to know that and to, to have longed to have been with him? And there is a good end to that, that story, which I'll share at the, at the end. The most shared picture of the, the funeral of the Duke of Edinburgh was the Queen, alone, in a pew, isolated, without her bubble, because her husband had been her bubble, and wearing a mask. And that was the most tweeted picture. It was the most shared picture. And there's a reason for that, because I think we want to lament together, and we're having to lament apart. We wanted to send our love. Did you see that on Facebook and on Twitter? People were saying, you're not alone, Your Majesty. You know, we're with you. We may not be in the pew with you, but we're with you. And lament is not just a solitary thing. It is a personal thing, and it may be you on the beach with rocks when you can uh, and, and pouring out your heart. But it's also for us to do together, isn't it? And, and, and hasn't that been hard? Not be able to grieve together, not to be able to hug together has been really, really tough. And when we have questions like the psalmist, Tim Keller says this, he said, in answer to all our questions, we do not have a watertight argument, but we do have a watertight person in Jesus. Because he really does understand we're not just united with one another in our pain, but we are united with Jesus. Because if there's one person who understands our suffering, it really is him. Aaron White in his book called Recovering says that Christ learned humanhood from his suffering, but we learn Christhood from our suffering. In other words, he draws close, Jesus draws close to us in our suffering. So that longing, that sense of dislocation, we can come to him. Jesus says, come to me all who are thirsty. In my notes earlier on, I realised I'd written, come, come to me all who are 30, which is a slightly different thing. And I'm afraid I'm way past that. Um, but that may be, uh, may be true as well. If you're 30 today, uh, do come to him. Um, Charlie Mackesy, who many of us have really enjoyed his drawings and his reflections during uh, this last year and beyond, is also annoyingly not only a brilliant sculptor, a brilliant artist, but he's a brilliant speaker as well. Who knew? So do uh, Google him. And uh, I've listened to one of his talks where he talks about his good friend who's a chaplain in a hospital. And he used to walk this chaplain through a particular ward. That was his ward. He'd walk through it once a week. And there was a guy who never wanted to speak to him and always stick the finger up at him and just make a rude gesture. Every single time he walked past this guy's bed, he would get this gesture and he'd just sort of smile and wave and carry on. The guy did not want to know him. But as the guy was facing his own death, one day he called the chaplain over and he said, oh, come then, you know, let's try this religion thing. He said, what, what are you going to say to me? You know, and he said, well, I'm a believer in Jesus and it's about relationship. And he said, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. And he said, you know, Jesus, this chair that I'm sitting here, Jesus could sit here with you, close to you. And he said, and if he was sat here, what do you think you'd say to him? And I'll, uh, I'll change the word slightly. <laughs> but he said, well, I'd say to him, I've, I've messed up my life. That's the first thing I'd say to him. And then he'd said, and the second thing I'd say to him is, I'm, I'm scared. And so what this lovely chaplain did was he said, well, Jesus, if Jesus was here in this chair now, he would just reach out his arms and love you. 
His grace would be sufficient for you. His love would be enough for you. And that's what he'd do. And he went off on his way and he left the guy and he wasn't sure, often you're not quite sure what's gone in. And he left him and a week later he came on his rounds and the bed was empty. And he asked the, the, the nurse that was there and he said, oh, what happened to that guy? And uh, she said, oh, he sadly died just two days actually after that time you had with him. And she said, I must say his mood changed uh, from that time you had with him. He was much more bright eyed and fully you know, lit up by the time he had with you. And so the guy thought, oh, that's really encouraging. And he was about to go when the woman called him back. And she said, oh, an interesting thing. She said, when we found him dead, his hips were on the bed, but his arms were around the back of that chair. And he was hugging the chair. And that's where they found him when he died. And I, I get tingles just <laughs> telling you about that. Because he died in the arms of a saviour that he'd only just heard about. And I believe that. We know that uh, on the thief on the cross, we know that right in that last moment, he found faith in Jesus. And that story tells us that Jesus is close to the brokenhearted, to those who've messed up, to those who feel dislocated, to those of us who are languishing. But the other side of that message is that the, the chaplain saw someone who was thirsty and gave him water. And so if you are finding life good in lockdown, if you feel that streams of living water are flowing from you, share that water with others because there are people near to you who are thirsty like that man, who are thirsty for truth, who are thirsty for hope, who are thirsty for meaning and refreshment. And what that lovely man did, the chaplain did, was offer that hope to a man who was longing, who was thirsty, who like the deer was on his knees and he was able to revive him with the truth of Jesus. And so finally, where does it end? Well, it ends where the psalmist says, my soul is downcast within me. And I love the reality of this. He says, my soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. He doesn't say, but. He says, therefore I will remember you. I am so low, he says, I have to remember you and your goodness and the actual original on this is meditate on you it's not just that he's been scatty and he's forgotten how good God is it means that he needs to actually tell his soul George Lloyd Jones says that actually we don't just listen to our soul we need to speak to it we need to speak to it and, and that's what he does he says I'm going to trust you God I'm going to trust in your goodness he speaks to his heart and I felt as I was praying for this talk that there may be some of you who've not just feel you've lost God or not just feel you've lost community, but you feel you've lost that longing. And maybe your prayer today may just be, help me to want you more. Help me to want you again. Or maybe even help me to long for you for the first time. Because God is good. He is faithful. And we remember together in a few weeks, we're going to be prayer walking for a week around this area uh, to say to God, what is it that is dying that you want to bring to life? Where is there poverty where we can be the church that gives to that situation? Where is there despair where we can bring hope? And as we do that, as the church emerges, if you like, from lockdown, as we go out more and are able to pray for our community, our prayer is for revival our prayer is for revival here in this city. And we know this is a song of revival, this psalm, but we know it starts with us. 
Revival always has started in the hearts of the few for the many. And we pray that as we come to worship God now, that he will revive afresh that longing in us, that he will revive that longing that all will have this water, that no one need be thirsty in our midst. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within them. On the cross, when he was thirsty, he longed for God's presence. He shouted, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was mocked at, spat at, jeered at. Even people around him said, why doesn't his God save him? And yet he went through it all for you and for me. Because he knew that there was an ending that was good. He knew that there was a God who was faithful. He knew that there was a God that would bring him through. And as we renew our song again, like that honeybird, as we say, we want our song to lift again, to be renewed again, to join in, to belt it out, to sacrifice in our praise, to sing it until we believe it as Ben led us in. God is with us. The little final thing to my story was that uh, we had dad's funeral a few weeks ago and my dad always wore a Panama hat in the sunshine and we always associated him with this little old straw hat and we put it on his coffin um, and a little thing of flowers, a heart of flowers by it. And uh, there's only 14 of us actually there in the room, which I know has been so many of our experiences and felt very weird not to be able to sing. Uh, but one of my favourite songs during the pandemic has been The Goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. And uh, as we were singing that, well, we weren't singing it, but as it was playing in the funeral um, and we had images of dad coming up, um, suddenly the sun shone and just spotlighted my dad's hat. Nothing else, just the hat. And um, I take great comfort from that. It's the simple things, isn't it? But actually, it's like God said, I didn't leave him. He wasn't alone when he died. I was with him. And, and that is so precious to me to know that he wasn't alone. And I would just say to you today that whatever you're going through, whatever breaks your heart, God is with you. And we're going to sing the goodness of God. And if you're at home, belt it out on the behalf of those of us who hear who can't. Uh, sing it with all your heart. Sing it till you believe it, until you mean it. Because it says, all my life you have been faithful. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I will sing of the goodness of God.